Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode of today. So today is a Friday episode, so we are doing a listener question episode. So these episodes are now going to be called Head Noise because I think that a lot of the times where people send in questions, it's something that they've been, it's been brewing in their mind for a long time. It ends up being like this head noise and someone actually mentioned it to me um, the other, like they were mentioning the, the idea of head noise to me. And I'm like, that's exactly what my listener questions are. And it's something I can relate to. It's something we can all relate to. So welcome to your first head noise segment. I've got three submissions that you guys have sent in. Um, this is also, sometimes I'm going to do more than three. These are just slightly longer. They dive in. It's I believe to be super relatable topics. And the reason I say it's super relatable is because I have received so many DMs and so many emails that kind of circle around these themes. So I think that the advice that I would give for these would probably touch on thoughts and feelings that a lot of you guys are currently having. Um, This is mainly around the, the dating sane dating situation. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Um, Just whipping up my little laptop so I can read the questions out. Okay, here we go. Hi, Alexis. So I met this guy on Hinge and we got talking. He seemed really cool. I had a really good feeling about him. We met quickly while he was holding a stall at the markets, instant fireworks and chemistry. He seemed so open and honest, which was a different type of energy than what I was used to. I had a really good feeling about him. He was consistent and talking and consistent with talking and was always asking questions about me. We won on our first date, which went for seven and a half hours. We went to the beach and then we went out for dinner after. Constant communication after and two sleepovers a week. Everything seemed to be going really well. We both said we wanted to see where this went as we were both excited of the thought of potentially becoming more six weeks into us dating. Everything seemed to be going really well. We both said we wanted to see where this went as we were both excited of the thought of potentially becoming more. Six weeks into us dating, we had the chat about not entertaining the thought of anyone else besides each other. During this period, there were no red flags. Yes, he took a long time to get back to me sometimes, but I'm very relaxed in that sense and I know everyone, not everyone lives on their phones and I don't expect a response instantly. A bit of a backstory on this guy. This guy is separated from his wife, not yet divorced. They broke up in March 2023. He explained to me that they have a close relationship as they own a business together and they have two young boys. I can relate to this because I have one young girl and I'm friends with her dad as well. So I understand when he would be doing family things with her as I think it's healthy. Very good. As time went on, I did notice he spoke about her a bit and referred to them as we and us, which I think is okay from a parenting perspective. It is a we and us when you're talking about like in context, I think that's fine. Um, Around the sixth week, he mentioned that he was taking his boys away camping and he apologized because he knew that that week I didn't have my daughter. I was chilled because I thought it was 
because I thought, good on you, hang out with your boys. But I did have a few questions because I got the feeling potentially she was going and I wanted to be comfortable with it. So I asked him, is it just you going? He said, just me and my boys. Then I said, so your ex-wife won't see her son for his birthday? He then said, I did invite her, but I don't know if she's coming. I did feel like camping was quite intimate because it was in their motorhome and I had questions like, where are you sleeping, etc., etc. He reassured me that nothing was going on with them, so I trusted him. So he spent the Friday with her and his boys and then he took him and his family, including her, away camping for the weekend. He did not tell me that they ended up going camping together. I was just never spoken about it until I did a little bit of creeping and I saw that she was there. I don't think that's fair. I think he just if there's no issues, he should just have been completely transparent if there's no issue and he knew that you would understand given that you also have a good relationship with the father of your daughter. Anyway, moving on. On Monday, he cancelled on me because he said that his ex-wife got called into work and he had to look after the boys. I said I completely understand and that we will catch up on Thursday. I did voice to him that I was hoping that we could spend some more quality time together as the only time we spent together was when he would come over for a sleepover. We would have sex, spend maybe 45 minutes awake and then go to bed and he conveniently had to be gone by a certain time in the morning and I felt like it was lacking effort and personally, I needed a little bit more than just a sleepover and sex. The week after the camping trip, I noticed that his business page was watching my stories. I thought, oh, wow, he must have told her about me. This is the part where it gets really weird and I still don't have the answers. Disclaimer, we were talking every day through text message, not through phone calls. I did find that we weren't communicating via phone call a little bit weird, but I also thought it's early dating. He would text me every day, baby, I miss you. I can't wait to see you. I wish I could see you more. And I did feel like it was genuine. So he came over on the Thursday night. I mentioned that his business page had been watching my stories and his face dropped into pure shock. He could not hide how freaked out he was as he knew it was his ex-wife. He said to himself, holy crap, she knows about you. And I said, why are you so freaked out that she knows about me as I felt insulted that I was such a secret? He said, I'm just scared that she's going to go to the cleaners financially. I said, you guys have been separated for nearly a year. What's the problem? Why hadn't this been sorted? I said to him, I feel like you're not telling the truth. And then he said to me, I'm at her house a lot and I clicked. That's why you take six hours to respond to me some days slash nights. He said she had gone through his phone and found our intimate messages and searched me up. I had so many questions. How does she know your pin? Why does she feel the need to do that? His vibe instantly changed. He was less affectionate that night. His personality changed towards me and I had this gut-wrenching feeling that this was probably the last time I was going to see him. Usually during sex, we would be very connected and make eye contact a lot. That morning, he would barely look at me. So I knew something was up. When he left... The kiss was just a peck quickly to get out of there. I didn't hear from him at all, which is weird. I sat on it and I thought, I think I'm just going to reach out to him and say, I'm going to take a step back as he's very intertwined with his ex-wife and maybe we can reconnect once he's sorted things out. I sent that message and I got zero response. Then sent another message two days later requesting a response again with some answers, no response. What the actual fuck? I've never been treated so poorly and taken for a ride. I thought this guy was genuine and I had no worries up until the sixth week. I did have my concerns that he was intertwined with his ex-wife, but to not even send a message or contact me feels like he's literally used me and then is just freaked out that his ex-wife has found out about me and then bounced completely from the situation. What would you do? Should I contact his ex-wife? What are your thoughts? Okay, 
Firstly, just to answer your last question, absolutely not, absolutely not do not contact the ex-wife. Why? Because this is a situation between you and him. She's got nothing to do with it from your perspective. Yes, she's involved with him, but your relationship is with him. It's not with her. That's his baggage. And if he doesn't deal with it properly, there's your answer. You going to her, what is that achieving? And also, she has a history with this man. It could be very complicated from her end. None of your business. This woman, none of your business. That The same goes for when – slightly going on a tangent – I feel the same way when, you know, when there's been an affair or whatever and people say, you should contact the ex, you should contact the ex. I'm not sure about that. I just feel like I always look at it as it's your situation with this person. To start including people left, right and centre into it doesn't really help the situation. You've got to decide, do I want a relationship with this person? Yes or no? If yes, is it on the table? Is it possible to have a relationship with this person? And can we sort it out? If this guy can't sort it out, do you ever want to be with him? If you need to be going around and talking to other people, this man is obviously a child. So no, do not contact the ex-wife. You achieve zero by doing so. That is my personal opinion. It should be two adults entering into a conversation or into a relationship, no matter the ex, no matter anyone else. It's, it's just your business and his business. Now, do I think he's behaved inappropriately? Absolutely. There's so many, so many holes in this that I think it's over. Um, or, I mean, it's over with you guys definitely for now. And I think the reason for that is that to me, it sounds like there is a lot of unfinished business when it comes to his ex, a lot. Okay. That situation for him to be like, oh, I, I, I can't believe she, I can't believe this. I can't believe that there's unfinished business. Okay. Whether it be not sexual, but this emotional thing, whether it be to protect the children and he doesn't want the family knowing about it. There could be many reasons. I'm not saying that he's still sleeping with her. There's a big chance that it's got nothing to do with him still being in love or attracted to her in that way. But unfinished business in the sense that he's not completely wrapped this up clearly. Because if he had completely wrapped this up and if he claims that they're still good friends, whether it be because they want to be friends or for the sake of the children – that's not the case, obviously, because if that was the case and they were legitimately friends, then he would be able to communicate to her how he is moving on with other people or that he's seeing people and, you know, set some boundaries in that sense. I think the fact that he's hanging out with her and spending time with her, with the children, I think that's really good. I think for children to see that their parents, as you would know, because you're doing the same thing, but I think that's very healthy for children to see that their parents are getting along. It's like really good for their secure attachment style, all of that. But there's unfinished business. And whatever the reason, doesn't matter. The point is that he's unable to have you as his partner and be open about it. He's clearly kept you a secret about it. I'm not even sure you haven't mentioned it if he's even been able to tell his children about you or not. Six weeks is early days. He doesn't have to tell the kids about you. But the point is that obviously his wife is unaware that he's even dating. Then there is the possibility that they're trying to rekindle things 
and he is also dating on the side and what a lot of people do is that they will like have someone that they've met outside and be like oh this is a new thing this is the, the possibility for my future or I'm being torn to my past and my family and the fact that we have this family unit together and now I'm kind of torn between these two it's like a sliding door situation and I'm like I could have my wife again I could have my family we could be a family unit or I could be happy in this other relationship where it's where we don't have the issues that causes divorce in the first place and we it's this whole new relationship that could have all these possibilities. That's that's also a possibility and he's torn between the two. Either way, whether he's torn or whether the fact that there's unfinished business and he's just refusing to just be straight up with the wife for whatever reason, it is unfortunately not in your control at all and there is nothing you can do about it. And the cherry on top is the fact that he's not willing to communicate with you about it. That's the worst thing for me. By far out of everything, the worst thing for me is the fact that he's not willing to talk to you about it and communicate. Rude, disrespectful, fuck off, okay? Because I understand that lives are complicated. I'm not going to stand, I mean, I'm not a martyr either, but I'm also not going to stand here and say that it's black and white when it comes to relationships and when it comes to marriages. I get that when it comes to marriages, when it comes to children being involved, it is complicated. It's not cut and dry. So I understand that there would be a lot of layers to what's going on. Maybe he didn't tell the wife, but it's six weeks. Maybe like there could be so much going on and I would be willing to talk about it. I would hear him out. I would be willing to potentially even wait if he was fully transparent and communicating, but it all comes down to communication. If you can't communicate with him, there is your answer. You communicating with his wife, ex-wife, absolutely so unnecessary because you need to learn to be able to talk to him. And if he's shut you out, that gives you every answer you need. Okay. You've had the conversation on the day. He shut you out on the day. You reached out once to show that, listen, I'm not shutting you out. I'm not being, I'm, I'm willing to talk. I'm allowing you to have space. I'm just saying, hey, maybe you need space for this. I'm here. You then reached out again. So you've demonstrated three times that you are a safe space to talk to and you are willing to discuss it and you're willing to give him space. And in all those three occasions, he's not stepped up and said, listen, thank you for that. I just need time or I can't really talk about it right now. It's really complicated. I'm so sorry for bringing you into this mess. Can I have some time? Like even if he didn't tell you what the problem is, even if it was just like, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate you doing this. Can you just give me a couple of weeks? My head is whatever. Like, but he's done nothing, none of that. Okay. At the end of the day, you have to draw a line between when someone is an adult who can communicate or when someone is an absolute child when it comes to communication. Do you want to be with someone who can't even acknowledge something that you've said? My answer is absolutely not. Huge red flag, huge red flag. The ex-wife, that's not a red flag. Life is complicated for people. But the fact that he can't talk about it to you, there is your answer. What would I do? Tap the fuck out. That's what I'd do. If he was willing to communicate, I would potentially sit around and wait depending on what he said when he communicated. I'd be willing to give it a chance because, you know, everyone's got their own battles that they're going on. But the fact that he's completely cut you out of this, I'm not, that's not cool. And I also think there's just unfinished business. So you shouldn't even be entertaining this anyway until that's completely like sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. Of yours. So that's that. Good times. I hope that helped. Next question. Hi, Alexis. First of all, I wanted to thank you for regularly posting amazing content and for reading listeners' questions. It's a great feeling when you can relate to other people and know that you're not alone. 
Thank you. And this is what I talk about all the time. Apologies in advance for the length of this message. I will be a classic, classic example of many issues you discuss in your podcast, but it also makes me human. This morning, I listened to the episode with Sabrina Zohar, and she said something about anxious attachment style communication and made me wonder where is a healthy line between anxious and wanting consistent communication in a healthy way and how to tell the difference. I always considered myself a securely attached person until I met someone who was very avoidant. I am 33 years old and I moved to Sydney from the States. As you would imagine, it is not easy to find a group of friends at my age and it takes time to establish yourself in a new place. 100% yes, it does. However, it never bothered me. I made a few friends at work, tennis, tennis club, nail salon, etc. I love this, but they are all still new friends. I also, I'm also a person who is not shy about traveling alone, exploring new places by myself, cooking dinner alone, etc. When I met this person, I was in a really good state. I was open-hearted and open-minded. Unlike many girls, I enjoy dating. And even if I had bad dates, it doesn't discourage me. So when we met, I treated it casually. I enjoyed talking to him. He was smart and charismatic, but I was still meeting other people and going on dates. So the absence of regular communication didn't bother me. But later he became more consistent and wanted to date exclusively. So I, quote unquote, cleared the bench. The first three months, it was great. But then I started feeling like I was, anno- I was annoying him with my messages. Another classic, I know, three months of perfect behavior. Totally. I'll be honest. I love messaging. I think it's cute to wish someone a good morning and a good night, send them a photo of a sunset, etc. We are dating. I think it is me trying to include this person in my life and let them know that I think about them. I always thought it was normal to text daily with your partner. It doesn't mean I want an immediate response or expect texting throughout the day. I have a demanding high stress office job, so I'm focused and very busy when I'm at work. However, I find time to reply to messages within a reasonable time frame. I also believe it's normal as you date longer to gradually increase the time you spend together and the quality of that time. He would not spend an entire week with me because he had a lot of friend commitments. He would say that he had lots of large groups of friends that he needed to maintain. That's fine. Again, I understood. I would suggest going away for a weekend and doing a romantic trip up the coast, but it would never happen. While I knew he had friends, he seemed to make plans with them, including going on weekend trips to play golf, but not with me. So we saw each other no more than twice a week, which I think is still acceptable as we're both busy, but he would not respond to my text messages for hours and he would send me a goodnight message and then turn his phone off right away. And I felt more and more as if I was walking on eggshells. If you're sending someone a goodnight message, wouldn't you want to hear a response? Why turn the phone off right away? At least wait 10 minutes. When I confronted him about how I was feeling, he told me that I didn't have enough friends and I could not understand him and he was not someone to text daily. I thought that was really messed up. I think that's really unfair statement as well because it's not that you don't have friends. But anyway, I thought that was really messed up. I might not have a good group of girlfriends to go to the pub with, but I have many friends worldwide. I could not see him more than twice a week, fine, but then he could not lift a finger to wish me good morning. I thought that was unacceptable. So I found myself being very anxious about it when I never felt like that before. I know that dealing with avoidant people can make you switch from secure to anxious attachment style. And I started listening to podcasts and YouTube videos and I soon saw a pattern of videos like how to keep the guy, how to keep the momentum, give him space, etc., which made me more and more paranoid that I had done something wrong with that guy. However, deep down, I still have confidence that I did not ask for too much. And on the other note, I think the communication out there is one-sided. I guess the guy equally needs to work on the relationship to keep a girl. 
I spoke about it to some guys I knew in Sydney to get their opinion and many of them told me that they don't text their dates every day and they would get annoyed to text daily. But then I pointed out that all of them were dating casually and none of them were ever referring to the girls by names. We were in a relationship. Again, I think it's expected that someone would want to be special for someone, to be someone they care about, think about constantly and want to know how their day went. So I started spiraling down negative thoughts, feeling like it was all my fault. I was needy and clingy. Am I the crazy one here? I aim to be the best version of myself and I want to practice self-awareness. So I would appreciate if you can maybe touch on the topic of when it is enough to listen to self-improvement podcasts on how anxious you are and how you need to keep your emotions to yourself and give people space when you understand the communication you need and desire is reasonable and healthy. And that sometimes it's not your anxiety, but someone else's avoidance or disinterest. Thank you so much. Okay, great, 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 great fucking questions here. One thing that I can say is that you seem extremely self-aware already based on at least what I've gathered from this email. You seem very aware of where he stands, where you stand. You are really accepting of the fact that he's, you know, would like less communication via, you know, text or calls versus what you would like. You also seem to not be someone that needs constant messaging. I think I agree that for most people, it would be absolutely normal to say to the to their partner who they are in an exclusive relationship, good morning, good night, a message here and there throughout the day, 100%. Like I text, for example, personally, I text less than Tyrone, but we, I mean, now we live together, but we would always message good morning and good night without a doubt. And even now that we're dating, he will message more, but he also understands it'll be a couple of hours before I reply because I purposely, even if I see messages come through, I don't like to turn my focus to my phone every time a message comes through. So I'll wait a few hours and then I'll give my phone my full attention, reply to people, etc. So you seem to kind of be similar to me in that regard where it's like, yeah, I enjoy texting and I like sharing things, but I'm not constantly on it, nor am I, you know, constantly off it completely. You seem to have kind of a healthy balance there. What it comes down to is depending on the videos that you were watching on YouTube, because some are good, but this idea of how to keep his interest and how to this and how to that, mm, some are good, again, context dependent, but I don't like this idea that you've got to cater to only one person's needs in order to keep them, so to speak. I'm doing inverted commas with my hands. In order to keep this person, I'm going to bow down to all your needs abandon my needs in a relationship and then you're interested in me. Then you will stay with me. You will think I'm cool enough. You will think I'm like chilled enough. Like, no, I don't think that's fair. I think that when you're looking at attachment style, if you can be aware enough within yourself and be like, wow, I'm really overbearing. This is intense. This person can't even breathe. That's different. And that's where you're looking at your behaviors and you're looking, you know, all of that. But when it comes to what you genuinely, if you've cracked it open and you've looked at it and you're like, I'm literally just, it's a couple of messages here. I'm not saying much. Your needs are not being met, basically. They are not being met because there is a difference between you being like, I'm demanding all of this. It's all or nothing. This is what I need. If you don't do this and I feel insecure, that's not what you're doing. You're saying you're giving me nothing. I would prefer a bit more, but I'm willing to take less. So I'm willing to meet you in the middle. You're not willing to meet me anyway. So there's the issue. And for him, 
You're even, you've even said, um, okay, one, one message here, one message there, find it weird, but fine. You've even said, okay, two days, I'd like more than two days, but you know what, if you don't have the bandwidth for that, fine. But he's not meeting you anywhere in the middle at any point. And it's not to say he's a bad person, but it's to say that when you, when you enter a relationship and when your needs are slightly different when it comes to communication styles and attachment styles, if someone's super avoidant and the other person is super secure or attached, but that's really difficult to have avoidant and attached together. But let's say someone's secure and one person's really avoidant, like your situation. The only, well, not the only way, but for it to work in a healthy dynamic, both people need to A, be aware of it. He doesn't seem to be aware. You are aware. He doesn't seem to be aware. And also willing to talk about it and say, listen, this is normally the parameters that I'm comfortable with. However, I understand that I'm not giving you anything. So maybe how about How about once every four weeks I block out my weekend and we just do something together because I really want to, I want to make this work and that matters to you and therefore it's going to matter to me. I can't do it every weekend. I can't operate that way, but I see where you're coming from and I'm willing, I just, I want to work this together. That would be acceptable. I I believe, you know, because that's, you've got something to work with here. You're seeing the intention. You're seeing the effort. You're seeing the care that someone's putting in. The same goes as if, you know, if someone wanted to message me, for example, if someone's messaging me constantly in, in the dating scene, I would say, listen, I know you want to message me all the time. I want you to feel that, that I'm thinking about you all the time, but I just don't operate that way. How about, like, you know, if I was to message you every couple of hours, would that suffice, you know? Or if I can't do every couple of hours, how about I called you in the mid-morning just to like touch base on the day and like have a bit of a chat to say how we're going. Would that be better than a few messages throughout the day? Because I can't give you exactly what you want, but how about I meet you kind of roughly here? Because I also, I like knowing that you feel loved and appreciated. So how can I meet you halfway? You know, that's what I would do. So the fact that he's not willing to come anywhere close to you is not a reflection on the fact that you now need to work harder for him to like you in a different way or for you to be. I just think it's, you're in a very unfair dynamic where he's sitting where he wants it to be. And you've got to basically work around that, take it or leave it situation. For a lot of things in a relationship, I don't like this attitude of take it or leave it. Okay. I don't mind having the attitude of take it or leave it when you're dealing with people that are not in your inner circle. But when it comes to your inner circle, you need to work with each other for relationships to work. And that goes for friends, that goes for family, that goes for every kind of relationship that's in that, that that's important to you. And when you're in an exclusive relationship and he's the one that requested the fucking exclusivity for fuck's sake. And when you're in that, you need to work with each other. If something is absolutely against your morals, then that's called a deal breaker and then you don't work with each other. But when it comes to trying to make something work, you meet in the middle for a lot of things or or you give 20% or you give 30% somewhere. But at the moment, he's waiting for you to meet him all the way where he is. And that is not fair. And that should not be a reason for you to now start feeling more and more anxious. You're looking at it. You're trying to meet him in the middle. If he cannot see this and then meet you somewhere in the middle, then you're going to have this problem in this relationship forever. Okay? It's all going to be on his terms. Nothing's going to be on your terms. And then the question you've got to ask yourself is, am I willing to accept that? I think that you're a very self-aware woman. You sound like a catch, unless this is all a fucking fraud email. You sound like a catch. So based on your attitude, primarily. So I feel like 
for you to then change who you are is just not fair. And I, I wouldn't put up with it, to be honest. I would walk away personally. If, however, he turns around and says, you know what, I'm aware. I'm so aware. And yes, things need to change. Yes, it might take me time. Again, communication is key. If he can just open up and say, you're right, I'm not meeting you anywhere. Maybe I can try, like, help me help you kind of situation. Let's work on this together. That's fine. You've got somewhere to start with. But this idea of like, no, sorry, I've got mates. You don't have mates. You don't understand. Bullshit. I've got fucking friends. I know what a friendship dynamic is, but this is a relationship cunt. So, Take it or fucking leave the relationship. And if you take the relationship, then we both work on it. And if you leave the relationship, then you can stay in your nest. That's what it comes down to. Hopefully that helped. Because, yeah, good times. Good times. I just feel like you're doing the right things, to be honest. You seem very self-aware. So that's what I do. Love that. Okay, third and final head noise question. All right. Hi, Alexis. I've been really enjoying your podcast and particularly the segments on self-love and self-confidence. I feel like it really helped me grow and become confident and happy being single. Yes, I love this. I've recently entered into a new relationship after being single for nearly four years. My question is about anxious attachment style due to my previous relationship. The guy I'm with now, I was dating this guy for several months before we got into a relationship. And I was terrified that in this stage, he was never going to want a relationship and would just be using me. I spent so much time stressing about the label we had that one day I just asked him and he'd agreed that we were in a relationship. Since then, with the new label, I thought my anxious attachment would get better. But it's in fact gotten worse. I find myself every time seeing him hyperfixating on his emotions and constantly checking that he is okay, which is exhausting. He is an introvert and not outward with his emotions, but very patient and understanding with me. I feel like such a burden in this relationship at times. And I know that if I continue this behavior, it will push him away. He has been very supportive of me and knows that this will take time. It's also to the point where if he hangs out and he leaves my house and doesn't text within a few hours, I spiral and panic that he isn't interested anymore. What can I do to help heal this? Okay, I'm loving all these questions around attachment style and anxious attachment style. Thank you for sending that in. Okay, the first thing that I'm going to say is, of course, something that I've said already in this episode, but number one, when it comes to two people dating with different attachment styles, it's very, it seems obvious, but a lot of people don't do this. It's very important to speak to your partner about that because sometimes we'll think that, oh, no, 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 I can't talk about me being a, I sound like a psychopath. I can't, I, fuck that. I'm not going to talk to them about it. I'm just going to suppress, suppress, suppress but it's obvious. You're not suppressing it. It's very obvious to the partner. And the partner's like, are you trying to control me? What are you trying to do? Like it, it's, you can't hide these feelings of when you're spiraling, when you're constantly checking, when you're mind reading, when you're this, when you're that, when you're fearing, you're not relaxed. Your partner can sense it. For sure they can sense it. This guy seems, you said he's really understanding. He's very patient. I'm not sure if you've already spoken to him about it, but I think it's very important to speak to them about it and say, listen, We've got different attachment styles and I just want you to know that this is something I want to work on. It's not something that I'm going, I don't want to bring you down with me and make you suffer in this relationship when you've done nothing wrong. But I think it's really important that I tell you what I'm feeling, not so you change what you're doing and so you, 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 you know, cater to everything, but so that way we can work through things together 
because if I'm in my head having all these thoughts and my partner has, you know, is just absorbing, wow, this person's being really intense. This person's like keeps constantly checking on me, asking me, it's starting to get really frustrating. It's very different if you say, listen, when I check, when I do this, it's just based on my anxious attachment style. I'm going to be dead honest. I'm not trying to throw my past in your face, but this is kind of where it stemmed from. You don't have to change everything that you're doing, but by understanding where I'm coming from, maybe you can help me intercept these things a little bit better. So for example, maybe you could say to your partner, next time I'm doing these things, can you just say, hey, babe, you know, I think that, you know, you're getting into these thought patterns again um, and you've asked me that same question a couple of times. I'm just, you know, bringing it to your awareness. Like if it's something that you've asked them to do prior, it actually helps you intercept these intense feelings and these intense emotions. You sharing what you're going through with your partner, not in a way to get your partner to change everything about them and to cater to you, but in a way of saying, when I start to spiral, maybe just mention it to me so I can be, you know, just more aware and more in the present moment. Because a lot of the time, just being like, oh, yep, you've raised, you've, you've raised my awareness on this. I am actually spiraling. We are actually perfectly fine. We've got a good dynamic. Like this is, this is going really well. I just need to, you know, intercept that thought. The more you can intercept these thoughts as they're happening, especially if you have a gentle, patient partner who's willing to help you intercept those thoughts, then you start to feel a little bit like, oh, okay, we're actually all in this together. We're both in this relationship. We're fine. And he's a good communicator. I'm communicating with him and he's willing to communicate with me. So that's one really important thing that will massively help how you feel. It's not to say that they have to, and you're obviously not trying to get him to change. You're just saying, how do I deal with these feelings? That's one good way of dealing with it. The next thing to do when it comes to attachment is that, especially with anxious attachment, it comes down to constantly seeking and needing reassurance and needing to be told or shown constantly that you are loved. But the problem is that with this kind of attachment, when you get that reassurance, it feels euphoric. It feels amazing. So of course, you're going to want more of that. It doesn't cure, quote unquote, this problem that you're having. All it does is it makes you think, wow, that felt so good, very short-lived, but that felt so good. So, um, okay, I need to do that now. That's why for you, probably the moment you got the label, it's been harder because before the label, there wasn't anything concrete saying, yes, I'm like, it's definitely on. I'm so into you. I'm so into you that we're going to be exclusive and that you're my person, you know. So because you didn't have that, yes, you had the anxious attachment, but because you weren't getting exactly what you wanted to, to fulfill this hole that you've got, it was kind of at, you know, at bay. The moment it's like, yep, we're now exclusive. You had this high probably initially of like, oh my God, I feel so good. And then the low, because at the end of the day, if you're constantly seeking the hit, the hit, the hit, the hit, I need, yes, you love me. Okay. Yep. You need to tell me, okay, it's been two hours. No, I need it again. I need it again. I need it again. You've now realized the pat. Well, I mean, it's really hard to realize it until you like shed a light on it, but you'll start to realize that you getting this constant reassurance isn't what's going to cure this feeling of needing 
to be validated all the time. It just makes you want it more, kind of like a drug. So instead, you've got to think, all right, yes, it's important to show your partner that you love your partner. Yes, it's important to show validation, but I can't be seeking all my sense of validation and all my sense of love from this one person because they are at some point inevitably going to let me down and not in the sense that they're going to leave you, in the sense that they're going to be one day busy out, no idea that they're hurting your feelings, not contact you for a few hours and here you are having the worst day of your life and they're just completely oblivious to it. They're unaware because their minds operate differently to how your minds operate, okay? So, What's the answer? You need to start working on ways that help you validate yourself. When you feel a secure sense of attachment, where you feel comfortable, where you feel worthy, where you feel validated by just being, then it becomes a lot less like, I have to have this from you. It's more like, I want a relationship where someone demonstrates love. But if you're not going to demonstrate love, then I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be this horrible experience for me where I I feel like I'm not worthy, okay? So that's the difference there. It's still important that you demonstrate love in a relationship, but more so not because you're constantly reassuring this person that they're good enough. So it's a long fucking journey. Curing or or, um, working on attachment, insecure attachment styles, anxious attachment styles is a long working progress, but there's so much that can be done. And the number one thing is to do things to work on your relationship with yourself. When you start to strengthen your relationship with yourself, and I've got a thousand episodes on self-love and strengthening your relationship with yourself, but that improves every other relationship. So start to think, what? when do I feel the most proud of myself? When do I feel really good about myself? Is it when I do things for myself? Is it when... I am working on something. Is it when I'm kind to myself? I always say that one of the best things is to earn something. So like learn something or work towards something or or start saving or whatever it is. But when you start doing all these things, but even do an inventory, when are the times that I've been like, God, I'm good. God, that felt good. I love myself today. Is it when you earned something? Is it like, when are those times, even if it's something tiny where you felt good for yourself And it can't be attached to when someone said something good about you. It's got to be when have I done something, me personally, that has positively impacted how I feel about myself. And a lot of people who have anxious attachment style struggle to think of an example. And the reason they struggle to think of an example is because they don't use these examples of ways of how they feel validated. Their validation comes from external sources and that's why it's so difficult and that's why you're attached so heavily because you're like, if I don't get validation from you, I disintegrate. So you start finding ways of validating yourself and then you can get this nice even thing because of course it feels nice. I'm not going to stand here and say you don't want to be – of course you want to be validated by your partner, 100%, but that shouldn't be your primary or sole source of validation. Your deepest source of validation has to come from within you. And then you seek out relationships where you feel there's this mutual showing of love and validation, okay? So ask yourself these questions and start to say, okay, well, if I can't think of an example, it's not because there hasn't been an example. It's because I haven't viewed it in that way before. And then start to think, well, what have I earned in the past? When have I stood up for myself? When have I stood up for somebody else? When have I been someone else's protector? That was really fucking cool of me. That was fucking really awesome that I did that. When have I 
done something for someone without expecting anything in return. Like that's very, that's a cool attribute within my personality. I love that about myself. What else do I love about my personality? Then you start going through and like attracts like and you start thinking, I've got fucking a lot to offer. So what else could I have to offer? And how can I use these things that I've done in the past? Can I do more of that now? Surely. Can I? And then you start, it starts to kind of snowball thinking like there's so much I have to offer. And the more you have to offer, the more you see value with who you are. You know, I have to offer this to myself. I also have things to offer to other people, to the community, to society, to nature, all of the above. So that's where you want to bring your focus to. So two things that I would suggest you do in this relationship. Also, I think you're in a really good starting point because you're dating somebody who seems to be, like you said, very open and patient. And someone who's open and patient and supportive is also someone who is open to communicating. That is key. Like I said, the other two. Communication is everything in a relationship. So talk to this person about it you know, not putting ownership on this person, not saying, well, and I don't think you are at all, but just for those of you listening at home, not saying, well, I've been burnt in the past, take it or leave it, this is who I am. But instead you want to frame it like, this is why I am the way I am. I'm want, I'm working on it. I'm wanting to change it, but I just want it to be fully transparent because I don't want to make it look like I'm trying to control you. That's far from what I'm trying to do. However, when these things happen, it triggers all these emotions and it reminds me of things from my past. I just want to be open with you and I do want to heal that. And I think that one of the best ways of healing that is to include you in on my journey. Okay, that would, that's amazing. If someone said that to me, I'd be so much more patient. I'd be like, I get it. I understand. You're not trying to change me. I get it. And then he'll probably be like, well, how can I help? How can we work on this together? And then you can work through it together. Okay, that's what relationships are for. You work on things together. You, you, you're a team. Okay, and you can also be a team on helping each other with their own personal struggles as long as you're willing to come to the table. You can't work as a team if you're like, hey, I can help you with that. And the other person's like, I don't need changing. <laughs> I love th- what I am. Then you can't. But if you both work together on something, then you could be an absolute phenomenal team. Okay. You don't have to have all your shit sorted when you enter a relationship, but you do have to be transparent with your partner so you can show that you're, you're a working progress. We all are. Okay. We all are a working progress. Cool beans. Guys, thanks for listening. I enjoyed this longer segment of Head Noise. It gives me time to answer more of your questions. So love this for all of us. That is all for today. As always, remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke. Listener.